It's that time again. Can I tell you a story? If you're new here, welcome. And if you've been around a while, also welcome. And you should know how this goes. So take a moment to get really comfortable. And while you're taking that moment to get really comfortable, I will tell you that this podcast and these stories are supported by patrons. So if these stories feed you and you'd like to offer something back and become a patron too, you can do that on patreon.com forward slash can I tell you a story. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash can I tell you a story where you will receive bonus stories that you won't find anywhere else, behind the scenes glimpses and more things which you can find out more about on the site. And now, let's begin. Angeline is holding her sandwich with both hands. White bread, margarine, limp lettuce, cheese and tomato that's made the whole thing soggy. She's eating without really tasting. Angeline stiffens, bracing against a cascade of giggles from the reception girls gossiping across the courtyard about weekend conquests. She feels her face grow hot, uncomfortably aware of her own body. How are some women so easy around members of the opposite sex? It's a mystery that she's not interested in unravelling. Cheeks still flushed, Angeline gets up and moves out of earshot. She starts on her second sandwich. It's the same as the first one. We eat to live, her mother had always said. We do not live to eat. It has to have been an act of God, she hears from the other side of the box hedge. I mean, his was the only house left standing. That can't have been just coincidence. And then, to win the lotto like that? Touched, I tell you. Angeline feels her neck tense up at the mention of the G word, and for a moment she's five years old again, God's overbearing omnipresence watching every move she made, listening in on every impure thought until she got big enough to fight back and decide there is no God. She clings to the decision like a life raft. Well, she thinks, that's lunch. Appetite lost, Angeline neatly wraps the rest of her sandwich back in its greaseproof paper. Waste not, want not. She might feel like eating the rest later. She sighs, and her sensible black shoes clomp across the flagstones as she walks back inside to her desk. Angeline is doing the crossword. Nothing cryptic, mind, just the straightforward one. Her feet in their sensible brown house slippers are up on the footstool. She lifts her pen to fill in one down, when there is an almighty crash from outside. Angeline puts down her pen and the paper and creeps to the front window. She pulls aside the lace curtain and peers through the blinds into the evening. There's a shape out there, in her petunias. It looks like a man, a large man. Angeline lets the curtain fall back and takes a breath, her heart beating irritatingly fast. She considers what to do. If he's hurt, she can't just leave him there, can she? She could turn out the light and pretend she wasn't home. 
that would never work. She's always home and everyone knows it. Angeline steps softly towards the front door and slides the security chain back. She opens the door a crack and peers out into the gathering dark. The shape groans. The sound is so deep and loud it reverberates through her body. Angeline pulls back from the door. A few seconds of silence make her grow bolder, and, holding her breath, she risks another peek. There's a rush of air and a faint pop, and the figure pulls itself up out of the garden bed and gives itself a shake, scattering bent flowers. Angeline finds her hand has moved of its own accord, covering her open mouth. The figure is tall, too tall, and looks like a marble sculpture come to life. He's all bulging muscles with a sheen to them like someone has oiled him, and she finds herself comparing him to some kind of cat, one of the big, dangerous ones with claws and roars that would probably eat her without a second thought. She's forgotten to breathe. Her eyes travel along the lines of his body, her gaze being drawn down until her head swims, and she thinks she's going to faint. The man is not wearing any clothes. Angeline is frozen to the spot, eye glued to the crack in the doorway, her thoughts stutter. There's a man, a large man, a naked man. In self-defence, her thoughts skip and latch on to the equally uncomfortable fact that this man is glowing. Men do not glow. Do... do gods glow? Oh, no. Her thoughts abandon ship and sputter to a stop. The man sighs, and the sound breaks the spell. He's fine. He's clearly fine. Angeline closes the door as quietly as she can and slides the security chain across. The sound of her breathing is loud in the silent room. Angeline, forehead creased with the heroic amount of concentration required to unsee what she has just seen, raises her pen to fill in two down. There is another almighty crash from outside. With pursed lips, she puts the paper down with more force than is strictly necessary and frowns as she walks to the door. She lifts the lace curtain and peers through the blinds. There is another shape in her petunias. Another man. Another large man. This man is also built like a marble statue, though his limbs are long and lean and there's an unearthly grace to the way he pushes himself up out of her flowers. Angeline recoils from the window as he turns to look at his very naked reflection. The man seems to like what he sees as he pushes his hair back from his eyes and brushes flowers from his shoulders. Mute, Angeline's eyes widen as the first man strides across her manicured lawn, penis bouncing on his muscled thigh, grabs this new man by the hair, spins him around and lands a solid punch to his gut. The second man exhales a rush of air and wraps his arms around the first man's chest. They crash to the ground. Angeline feels her sanity slipping away from her. There are two naked gods wrestling in her petunias and she is not prepared for this. She will never be prepared for this. She lets the curtain fall as the writhing gods crash up against the house, shaking it on its stumps. The decorative plate hanging on the wall, the one with the insipid bluebells that belonged to her grandmother, rattles and falls to the floor. Angeline closes her eyes and slides down the wall, joining the fractured plate. The gods fall silent. 
Angeline is breathing very fast. There is not enough air in the room. There's a roaring in her ears that makes it hard for her to understand the sound she's hearing is someone knocking at her door. Jerkily, she climbs to her feet and stumbles to the door. This is not a dream. She's already pinched herself, but the pinch did nothing but hurt. She moves as if compelled, drawing back the safety chain and pulling the door open. Two glowing bodies fill the doorway. Two naked glowing bodies. Angeline twitches. Her vision wavers at the edges, threatening to go dark. Are they supposed to do that? The voice comes from someone who sounds like they've read about whispers, except they stopped reading before they got to the bit about whispers being quiet. Shh! A glowing elbow shoves the first speaker in the ribs. Hello? Says a second voice. Up here! Angeline jerks her head back and looks up into the face of a god. His eyes are vivid and intense and it's hard to say what colour they are. She feels herself falling off the world. This cannot be happening. But it is. We're terribly sorry to bother you, says the god. But we were, uh, having a little disagreement and we can't seem to come to any kind of resolution and we were wondering if perhaps you might come to any sort of resolution. You bloody well... The voice cuts off with a yelp, but Angeline hears nothing. She's lost in the gaze of the god. She's forgotten her name. She feels herself being stripped away, everything she thought she knew disintegrating around her. Panic beats insistently in her chest, somewhere far away on the edge of the universe. There are only the eyes of the god. Until, from nowhere, she finds a corner of defiance. A tiny, breathless squeak. If, if you grant me a wish, she says, please, please, just please make it that this isn't happening. Well, drat, says a disembodied voice from the doorway as the gods fade from view. Finding herself staring out at the empty night, Angeline gives herself a little shake and closes the door. She slides the safety chain across. Her foot crunches on something and she looks down at the fractured plate on the floor. How odd, she thinks, and goes to get her dustpan and brush. Angeline hums to herself, feeling the late afternoon sun on her face. She must look a fright, hair every which way, her gardening knee pads strapped on tight and her oldest, most faded gardening shirt. She can't throw it out, though, the shirt. It belonged to her brother, the one that died. Her trowel has a green handle to match the knee pads. She pauses, a faint frown creasing her forehead. She can't quite catch the memory of why she decided to dig up the petunias and plant hydrangeas instead. She's always liked petunias, but she seems to have developed a strange aversion to them overnight. Well, she thinks brightly, a change is as good as a holiday. Isn't it?
listening. I hope that you enjoyed this story of poor Angeline. The amount of times that I said poor Angeline while writing it was fairly astronomical. If you did enjoy it and you want more stories, perhaps you would like to become a patron. Patrons receive bonus stories. There are many of them already available on the site uh, and another one each month and other things, including my endless thanks, which you can find out more about on patreon.com forward slash can I tell you a story. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash can I tell you a story starting from seven Australian dollars per month. Until next time, I really hope that Angeline's hydrangeas grow beautifully.